Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. What we've been doing here on Sunday mornings is uh, we are walking through the letter to the Ephesians uh, under the theme, No Greater Hope. Uh, What we've seen is how Paul, who's writing this letter to the Christians living in Ephesus around 60 AD, uh, he's proving again and again that Christians have greater hope through our God. That hope's just not something that's far off in the distance, but there's hope for today. And we've seen that again and again, haven't we? We've seen how uh, Paul says that God chose us before the creation of the world, before God said, let there be light, God knew you and he chose you to be his own. Paul's told us that God adopted us into his family through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That he's forgiven us our sins, so we're holy and blameless before the Lord. He's told us that he's put the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing more to come. He's walked us through how we were spiritually dead, but how God made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. He's shown how Jesus is for all, not just for the Jewish nation, but for all people. And that through Jesus, we are members of God's kingdom, members of his household, and his temple where he dwells. He showed us how God has revealed the mystery of the gospel to us, a mystery because on our own we could never figure it out. It had to be revealed to us, taught us. And that's what God has done for you and me. He's revealed the mystery of the gospel. Today, Paul ends chapter 3 with a prayer. He says, I'm praying to God for this. And what's he praying for? That God's people have power. If you could have power, that would change your life. If you could pray to God and say, God, here's the power that I want that's going to change my life, what would it be? Uh, For some of you, it might be the power to heal so that you and your family never have a cold again. For others of you, It might be the power to control circumstances because that would relieve all your worry and anxiety. For others, it might be to have power to have ambition, to have energy, to have confidence, uh, to be able to win others over so that you can go out and change the world with those characteristics. If you just had those in abundance, you'd have power to go out into the world. But Paul prays for power for you And for me, and it's a power that if God grants it, would completely change our life. And so let's jump into Paul's prayer here. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high 
and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul starts, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Uh, If you were here last week, uh, you know that verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul starts introducing a topic, but then he gets kind of sidetracked. And so verses 2 through 13, he digresses a little bit. He's getting back to his point here in verse 14. And what's his point? For this reason, what reason? That Jesus has saved the world, that it's not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are also included in God's plan of salvation. For this reason, he kneels before the Father, whom all people, not just the Jewish nation, but all people derive their name. And then he prays. And what's he pray for? Power. Power for God's people. Have you ever prayed for power? (laughs) For some of us, it makes us feel a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Because we know that the Bible's not a, a prosperity gospel message. That's not the purpose of the Bible, that that God wants us to be wealthy, healthy. Uh, That's not the message. And so to pray for power makes us feel a little uncomfortable because it makes us feel like we're, we're preaching and believing a prosperity gospel. But notice what Paul says. Power where? Not for outward circumstances. Power in your inner being. Power in here. The inner being was believed to be the place of emotion, reasoning, and will. Emotion, reasoning, and will. In that part of you, may you have power. Be strengthened by the Spirit to have power. For what purpose? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. May you have power by the Holy Spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts. First, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What's his job? Well, you could ask anyone who's in our starting point class right now because we just covered this on Wednesday. And so maybe we'll do that. Anyone who wants to answer it for us? I'm kidding. Unless if you want to. No, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to point our eyes to Jesus. To create faith in Jesus and strengthen faith in Jesus. Uh, The Holy Spirit's kind of the silent actor, so to speak, that's behind the scenes, pointing everyone's eyes to their Savior, Jesus, and what he's done for them. And so Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit strengthen us with power to grasp Jesus so that Jesus dwells in our hearts. And that's your first point this morning. The Holy Spirit strengthens us with power so Christ dwells in us. Do you see how incredible of a truth that is? That Christ dwells in us. Let's stop and think about that for a minute because we can just say it and then move on. But think about this. The God of the world who created everything by speaking everything into his existence. The God who has no beginning, no end, 
No one created him. Nothing created him. He is the creator of all. He's, he's outside of time and space. Jesus, the one who lived for you, died for you, rose for you. The one who's ruling all things is not off in some distant country. Where does he make his home? In you. In here. Your Savior who forgives you of your sins, who conquered the grave, who has power beyond our imagination, lives right in here. Paul says, let's pray that the Holy Spirit strengthen us with power that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Strengthen our faith so that Christ may dwell in our hearts. What does that mean for our lives? If Christ dwells here, what does that mean for you and for me? Well, let's take something from everyday life. Guys, when you got married, what happened? Well, a lot happened, but what happened in your home? Uh, either you owned a home and your wife moved in, or you got a joint place that you moved in together into. Guess what happened? Your wife looked and said, I think it's time that we get rid of the ratty old couch that you had from college. Your wife said, I think maybe we should hang some pictures up on the wall so that this looks like a home. And maybe we should light a candle because it smells like musty man in here. What's that about? And you only washed your sheets like twice a year? Yeah, we're going to do that on a regular basis. We're going to make this look like a nice-smelling home. It's going to be nice to walk into. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make this look like a home, not dirty. And you know what? It's quite nice. When Jesus says he's going to dwell in our hearts, what does that mean? mean? It means that you and I are no longer the shot callers of the home of our heart. But Jesus is dwelling there. And so what do you and I do? We say, Jesus, tell me how to feel about this. Jesus, how should I respond emotionally to what I just heard? Jesus, I have all these, these events coming today. How should I treat people today? Jesus, I want to defer to you and see what you say because my heart no longer belongs to me. You dwell in here too. And so what does Jesus do? As we defer to Jesus, Jesus goes from room to room in our heart, tearing down the, selfish, the, the wallpaper of selfishness, and he paints it with a beautiful paint of love. He goes to the darkened ceilings that are filled with despair and victimhood and woe is me and death and he lights it with the hope of eternal life. He lights it with the fact that we're more than conquerors through Jesus. He looks at the, the dirty stained carpeting, the, the dirt of immorality and impurity and he tears it up and he lays the hardwood floors purity, and kindness. Jesus goes room to room, renovating our hearts and making it a home that Jesus dwells in. 
That's what Jesus does. Do you know what's a bad idea? To give me any say in interior decorating. I don't have an eye for it. Uh, in fact, the only reason we have anything on our walls is because Anne said, let's hang pictures on the wall. Otherwise, we'd have blank walls, white walls, the, the natural color that the house was built in, and I'd be fine with it. It's also a terrible idea for you and me to have any say of what our heart looks like. You don't have to be a Christian to get that. Because even if you're not a Christian, you see what people are like out there. You see the unkindness. You see the, the, the hatred. You see the selfishness. You see it. And if that's true for them, guess who it's also true for? You. And so, why would we ever want the final say of what our heart looks like? But that's the question we have to ask. Does Jesus get the final say of your heart and the interior decorating, so to speak? Or does Jesus have his own little room that you only open and ask his opinion once in a while? And if you like his opinion, you'll do it. If not, you close the door and say, thanks for the advice, but I think we should do this. If that's how Jesus is in your heart, guess what your life is going to look like? The selfishness of the wallpaper of selfishness will never come down. The stained carpeting will never be removed. The darkened ceilings of, of hopelessness and despair will never be lit because if we're honest, we like it that way. We like it that way. And so, that's why Paul prays, may we be strengthened with power by the Holy Spirit that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Because guess what it takes? It takes power. It takes discipline to deny, to deny your sinful nature. It takes discipline and power to say, not my will, but your will, Jesus. It takes power and discipline from the Holy Spirit to motivate us to say, Jesus, how should I feel? How should I act? in this situation. And this is why Paul prays this prayer. May God's people, may us, may we be strengthened in our inner being that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. But should we trust Him? If we're going to default to somebody to tell me how to live, if we're going to default to somebody to make renovations to my heart, can I trust that Jesus has my best interest at heart? Look at Paul's second prayer, starting at verse 17, and I pray, halfway through. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul's second prayer the Holy Spirit strengthens us with power to grasp the love of Christ. The, the word for grasp is a really interesting one in, in the original Greek. Uh, it, the word is katalabino, 
And it literally means to track down, seize, and plunder. Uh, it's, it's used for pirates. It's used for thieves, actually, who track down, seize, and plunder somebody. And yet Paul uses it here. Because what's his point? Not that we should steal from God, but for, from the promises of Christ, the love of Christ, track it down, seize it, and plunder the depths of the riches of his love for you and me. And that's what, that's what Paul's praying for us, that we do that and know the depths of his love. Because when we know the, when we know the, the uh, depth and width and length and height of his love, we'll say, Jesus, you, you say, you tell me. And so let's look at the love of Jesus, the four things. Uh, let's grasp how wide is the love of Christ. What is Paul accentuating there? What, what's, he, what's he highlighting? The love of what? His accepting love. It's wide. Already in this letter, what have we seen? That the love of Christ is not just for Jewish people, but it's for the non-Jew as well. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your uh, track record of morality. It doesn't matter if you're in church every week or not in church every week. What is the love of Christ? It is so wide. It is so wide and accepting. It doesn't matter who you are. And that's important for us to know and to grasp and to plunder and to seize and plunder because some of you, some of us here, have done some things that you wish you didn't. Your track record of morality may not be the best. Your church attendance may not be the best. And it gets you to start to think, does Jesus still love me? We need to plunder the depths of his, or the width of his love. It's important for some of us to remember, some of us uh, who are here every week, just how wide his love is. Because what begins to happen? We're here every week. We have a good moral track record. And we start to look at the people who aren't here every week, and we start to question. And then someone falls into some uh, big immorality or big sin, and we start to say, see, I knew it. And we start to get pretty proud of ourselves. And yet Jesus says, hold on. My love is so wide, you can never grasp it. It surpasses knowledge how wide this love is. Can we grasp it? How long is the love of Christ? Highlighting his forever love, his eternal love. That his love never ends. That it goes on and on and on and on and on forever into eternity. And that's important for us to understand, and, and may we have power to grasp that. Why? Because some of you have been told by someone, I love you, just for them to walk out. Some of you have been told, I love you, just to be treated like you're not loved. Some of you have been told, I love you, but then they left because you didn't change quick enough for them. Some of you have been told, I love you, and it was true, but that person has passed away. Jesus' love never ends. It's a forever love. He will never walk out on you. 
He will never say, you're not changing quick enough. It will never end because he's already died, he's risen, death has no power over him, and he's reigning forever, and his love continues on. It will never end. How wide, how long, how high is the love of Christ, the exalting love of our God. Not only did Jesus save us from hell, which he did, but he exalted us to eternal life. Jesus said while he was still alive, whoever believes in him have already crossed over from death to life. He said again and again that there's a place in heaven for you. He's preparing a place for you. Not only has he saved you from hell, but he's exalted you to heaven, to life eternal with him. His exalting love for you. And that's important for you to know. Because Jesus also said, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You will have hardships in life. You will suffer in life. And it's in those moments of suffering when we start to question, does God really love me? Does Jesus really love me? Not only that, but the Christian life is hard. It's not easy. Jesus said himself, uh, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Part of following Jesus is denying the sinful nature, the sinful desires of our heart. Jesus says, you must do this. You must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. And that's hard. And sometimes we start to wonder, is this really worth it? Is it worth it? Track down, seize and plunder the exalting, the height of Jesus' love that lifts you to eternal life. Because absolutely it's worth it. Through Jesus, we have the crown of eternal life. And finally, the depth of his love for you, just how deep it is, highlighting his sacrificial love. What did Jesus do for you and me? He stepped out of heaven and didn't just come to earth, but he jumped into hell itself. On the cross, Jesus not only was tortured, not only was beaten, whipped, crucified naked probably to add to the shame, crucified as a criminal to add to the embarrassing, embarrassment and shame, but then he not only suffered physically, emotionally, he also suffered spiritually as he was forsaken by God for you and for me. And there's only one reason God forsakes anyone, sin. And what's being forsaken by God? Hell. And Jesus jumped in to it for you and for me so that you and I will never know what it's like to experience hell. That's how deep his love is for you. So that we can rest knowing we're forgiven. Rest knowing we're at peace with God. The depth of his love. All of this has one goal in mind. That we may be filled to the measure of God. Just like a, a cup gets filled to the brim with liquid, as we, as we pray to be strengthened with power that Christ may dwell in our hearts, and we pray to be strengthened with power that we may grasp the love of Jesus, we are filled with God so that everything flows from God. Our thoughts, our actions, our words, 
flow from our God. What would it be like to never worry again? What would it be like to be freed from that sin that constantly feels like it's controlling you? What would it be like to not struggle with selfishness anymore? What would it be like uh, to be free from uh, the guilt and the shame that you feel? What would it be, be like to, to live free? The power of God's love does that for you and for me. It changes from the inside out as we live our lives for him. And so what are we supposed to do? Just pray and all this will work? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, what, look what he says at the end. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, be glory in the church now and forever. Our God can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so imagine what could happen to your life if for 10 minutes a day, you meditated on the love of God, the love of Jesus for you, and what it means for your life. And you pray that the Holy Spirit strengthen you with power, that Christ may dwell in your hearts and you defer to him. And then you dive deeply into the love of Christ. What could happen from the inside out? Immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. May God be with us as we grasp his love that he may dwell in our hearts and we may grasp the love of Christ for us. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that you sent your one and only son Jesus for us. Now we ask that you send your spirit into our hearts uh, that we may be strengthened with power, uh, that we may uh, live with self-denial, uh, that we may defer to Jesus so that he may dwell in our hearts. And as he does, uh, he cleans it up. Uh, we thank you for that. We ask that you strengthen us with your power that we may grasp the love of Jesus uh, for us. Because it's the love of Jesus that motivates us uh, to live lives for him. Uh, we thank you that the Spirit is working in our hearts. We thank you that Jesus has come to dwell in our hearts. And now let us be filled to the measure of Jesus' love. That, we, that all of our thoughts, words, and actions may flow out of that love for each and every one of us. Uh, we ask that you continue to help us to meditate on this. Help us to apply this to our lives, uh, that our lives may look like your children. Uh, this is the close of the first half of the book, of what God, what you have done for us. Now the next half, what does a life flowing from the love of Jesus looks like? We can't wait till next week when we get to dive into that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.